everybody. Happy Friday. Happy early 2020. This is Tom Dotan of The Information coming at you with the year-end wrap-up podcast. Now, obviously, it is the beginning of 2020 as you are listening to this. However, we recorded it uh, at the end of uh, the end of December, and I and many of my colleagues uh, were out on holiday uh, at the end of the week, and so we decided to record that one in advance and give you uh, our thoughts uh, on a wrap-up and a wrap-up of 2020. So this is my conversation with Jessica Lesson, CEO, co-founder of The Information. You all, you all know Jessica. And in the conversation, we talked about Facebook, we talked about the broader tech lash and rising cynicism and criticism of the tech space. We talked about the investment landscape, what all of the criticism and huge flameouts with companies like WeWork has meant for investments in startups. And we also talked about media and what all the giant plans that media companies have in terms of shifting their business over to the streaming space means for all these companies, how many of them will succeed. Uh, all the kinds of questions that people have been asking throughout the year. So that's the podcast you're getting this week. I look forward to rejoining you again in the new year when I and many of my colleagues are back in the office. But for now, here is my conversation and wrap up with Jessica Lesson. All right, Jessica, good to have you in here this week uh, because I figured it was a good opportunity to wrap up 2019, the year in tech and media and the information and all the stuff that we spend Let's do it. all of our free time thinking about. So it's interesting looking back at 2019 because a lot of the themes that seemed really big to me were sort of brewing in the previous year, like in 2018, a lot of the tech lash, uh, you know, the, the, the Facebook lash, uh, WeWork lash. That was maybe more of a 2019 thing, but I feel like the sort of public sentiment turning a bit more critical and cynical about tech had existed in 2018, but it felt like it was so much bigger at times in 2019. Um, do you agree? I mean, was that kind of the way you felt about things or, or was it a bit more muted and, and kind of precise this year than it was in previous years? Yeah, I, I think that I think the tech lash, if we, if we hone in on the sort of criticism and tech and the big tech companies and maybe start with the sort of uh, regulatory as tech become too powerful mm -hmm. theme. Um, it definitely built this year. I think what it's building towards is not clear. Mm -hmm. um, and if uh, we can talk about 2022, but I, I think that is sort of a thought at the end of uh, the year for me is like, what is this going towards? And mm -hmm. is it for the folks who are expecting these wholesale breakups and sweeping privacy legislation. No, is that going to come? But no, I, I think that um, there was sort of continued and sustained criticism. Um, you know, very specifically, we saw sort of new DOJ and FTC investigations across uh, right. Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Right. So um, Still to be determined what actually comes out of that, but the existence of these investigations, kind of doling it out to the different agencies, that's that's significant, right? That's not nothing. Absolutely. I mean, I think if there was any question of, um, well, I, I, it's all been part of the same narrative, but but I think that those the launch of those investigations is significant. We saw um, a record settlement with Facebook in the Federal Trade Commission, um, uh, which resulted in you know I think five billion dollar fine, a ton of compliance. Um, you know, Wall Street and, and to many degrees, the company sort of shrugged it off a little bit right. too. But so it, it, that is interesting in that 
um, a lot of headlines, not clear the consequences. Yeah, let's actually let's let's stick on that for a bit because that was an interesting moment. So I remember the news first came out in a Facebook earnings that they had sort of set yeah. aside. They had a, pre-announced yes. to try and yeah, exactly. Part. They and 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 immediately I think the markets reacted positively. They're like, oh, it looks like they set aside around a two billion dollars or so. A parking yeah. ticket, right? I mean, that's just yeah. for given the, the profit that they have. And immediately you saw from the you know, usual suspects or the non-surprising corners a criticism of that. The fact that like this just wasn't enough to deter Facebook from being the bad actor it was that caused it to get the fund in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and I think I should. I think it was around five billion. I mean, it was a sort of staggering amount. Um, a record amount. And yeah. I think the, or, or as it comes to sort of tech fines, I mean, you can look at the sort of history of corporate fines and Wall Street, et cetera. But um, no, and and I think that that tension is important, and it continues because while um, there's greater than ever scrutiny and regulatory scrutiny on the large tech companies. Their businesses are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and investors, I think, are um, you know looking at the numbers. They're baking in um, a sort of discount for this regulatory overhang. Um, but they're seeing very, very solid growth. Right. And so I, I think going into next year as well, where, you know, depending on what happens in the economy, tech companies could look even more attractive um, mm-hmm. on a relative basis, uh, you know, and if that continues, we're, we're still going to be in, you know, this interesting, you can have a real sort of disconnect between um, some of the headlines and sentiment and, and kind of the underlying businesses. What about the business aspect of it, too? Because I remember 2018 or so, I, like other, you know, kind of media reporters were looking at this story saying, when is it really going to affect the business? When are advertisers mm-hmm. going to, you know, take their suitcases and go on over to whoever they could go to. I don't know. There's various theories. And, and this was a year where at least Facebook and, and Google and, and actually a lot of the other social media companies too, Snap had a really good year and Pinterest looked strong. Their numbers were awesome. I mean, advertisers love it. They, they, they haven't done anything significant to cause them to change their spending. And I don't know. I mean, are you, were you surprised at all that there wasn't a bigger shift or this was just the no, way the ad world I mean, advertising is so metrics driven and ROI driven and um, yeah. marketers are going to put their bucks where they get their return. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, last I checked, Google and Facebook were growing their share of online advertising. They were widening it. Um, and you, what you do see is, is you see an incredible increase in cost for customer acquisition, particularly on Facebook, you know, the result of the sort of flood of spending and competition. Right. I think that, you know, may cause people to seek out other alternatives. You've written about that when it comes to the um, streaming video services and, and customer acquisition, why they're pursuing, you know, not just acquiring customers on social, but partnerships and all this other stuff, right? It's become mm-hmm. very expensive. But um yeah, it, I mean, I think, look, it, these businesses slow over time, but are still growing at rates that I think is surprising many investors. And so um, even as we look, particularly if Facebook and Google, to their kind of next acts and um, have had uh, significant reporting this week around two of those uh, Facebook's hardware efforts right. and uh, Google's cloud efforts, um, you know, there, there's still plenty of a tailwind in the underlying business. Yeah. And what about um, Mark and Cheryl and the other kind of tech executives that probably spent more time publicly testifying about their companies this yeah. year than I, probably ever in their history? I mean, it, it became kind of this almost not newsworthy to an extent to say, oh, look, look who's going to be testifying and getting, you know, 
kind of ritualistically uh, uh, beaten by various uh, lawmakers um, this week. And I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like the newsworthiness of what they said died down a bit this year. And they just sort of kind of would put their heads down, accept the beatings, and then move back to their lives. Uh, yeah, and we saw, I mean, we saw Libra this year, right, which was another moment, um, the launch or the announcement of this um, crypto asset that um, Facebook conceived and, um, you know, is, is really hanging in the balance, whether we'll yeah. actually see it in action and, um, you know, seeing uh, Mark being willing to testify over that after, as we reported, uh, Cheryl backed out of, of doing so. Um, was a little, I think, of the new DC playbook they're running. Um, you know, whether it's working or not, who knows? Yeah, Cheryl also, you know, had some high-profile interviews, like at, at tech conferences, where yeah. she had kind of a tough time, uh, or was facing a lot of tough questioning from. I think it was Katie Couric, and that seemed like it was a big deal at the time. And like, boy, did Katie really give her a tough one? And then people seem to move on. I mean, do you think that it's almost a bit like Trump, where we, we've gotten a bit a nerd to? the severity of what people are talking about and, and these guys can kind of do their business? Or do you think there really is like huge impact from having these moments? It's hard to say, right? And again, I think a lot of it is going to come down to what kind of potentially more serious regulatory action we'll see or not. Um, mm -hmm. We've got to look actually not just at the U.S., but Europe and other places. So um, yeah, I think a, a little bit of the personal heat on those two executives sort of died down a little bit this year relative to like the wake of Cambridge Analytica, but um, there's still the very big questions hanging over the Right. Company. And I think, I guess, to push it forward to 2020, we'll see how big of an issue this really becomes when we get past the Democratic primary. Yep. And, and if this suddenly becomes like a, a football that the Democrats and the Republicans all try to use, or it just doesn't matter as much on a national level in the way that it might you know, on, on the Democratic side of things. Absolutely. TBD on that. Yeah. So let's move over to, uh, what should we do? Media, actually. Yeah. Um, or should we save that for last? <laughs> yeah, let's save that for last. Um, so let's talk about WeWork. Um, because this was this one that, you know, a company that we've been following probably earlier than almost anyone else. Yeah, I think our first story questioning their business model was around 2015. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I remember um, we've, we've been skeptical we've been about ske it. We've had questions. Yeah. We've had yeah. Questions. And and that was at the time where they were talking about we life and or whatever it was. We live and various uh, things. It, it got what I remember a time where we thought that was crazy. Right. Um, we had questions. We'll yeah. Say, leave it at that. But yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, by the same token, SoftBank, we had also been looking at for a long time saying, like, this is a very risky endeavor, like, the, you know, never seen anyone with this amount of firepower, you know, trying to flood the zone with this much. And like both issues kind of came to a head this year, both like what we work really was and, you know, softening soul strategy. I mean, I know it's a lot to take on right now, but, but like what, what's, a, I mean, what are the real lessons you think mm -hmm. at this point of we work and, and everything that came out of it? I think it's honestly too early to say, I'd like to sit here and say, corporate governance is going to dramatically improve. Um, investors aren't going to turn a blind eye to a lack of a business model if they're infatuated by a founder. But the thing, the, the reason I'm hesitating in saying that is the money is pouring into private technology investing. Right. And in the past few weeks alone, we've seen a tremendous number of deals and there's no sign of it slowing down. And in a market where dollars are chasing relatively few big bets, where you have to funnel that money into a company, you know, you can't just cut $10 million checks and return your massive fund. And so 
you know, I, I think systemically a lot is still set up to, um, you know, just sort of charge ahead and turn a blind eye to a lot of these issues. Now, that said, public investors have proved that they're going to um, be pickier. I mean, I, I think it's funny that I, it's all happened all the way back in May now, so it's ancient history, but the Uber IPO, you know, Uber is trading significantly down from its IPO price, which was significantly down from where it wanted to IPO. This time we would have been talking about, you know, 120 billion right. Uber. Right. And so clearly some things have changed in terms of um, public investors and their appetite. Um, you know, from, I, I think maybe WeWork, the lessons of WeWork give bankers a little more leverage in, in sort of editing those S1s, mm-hmm. but um, it's that very hard rel- to say. Yeah, that just still seems like a relatively small patch on what seems to be a much larger problem. You right? know, I hope one of the lessons, and that is maybe, but I hope, you know, we think a little bit more about employees working at these companies and, mm-hmm. and perhaps um, ensure that they have the resources to really assess um, assess these companies. You know, it, that's one of the challenges when you're um, excited to join a high-flying startup and you've been dangled all sorts of equity in front of you. Um, you know, at the same time that Adam Newman was getting a massive exit package, you know, thousands of WeWork employees were getting laid off. Yeah. Um, and I think... Uh, what, can, what can really be done about that, though? I mean, because employees have s- no leverage at all in the fundraising uh, and, and the terms Yeah, that I mean, I, and we can move on from this very self-serving point I'm about to make, but I, I actually think the press has a huge role to play in just sort of understanding and reporting on these businesses um, because, uh, you know, th- that's really the, the only it, I mean, the, the ultimate tool have. there I mean, is information and, and uh, I guess, transparency and then public shaming, yeah. right? That's all that can really happen because it's not like the employees. And you hear sometimes, you know, some... Uh, candidates running for office, I think Elizabeth Warren and, and Bernie Sanders have talked about giving employees board seats on, on a lot of different companies. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that would, you know, change some of the dynamics. I in, think it's just, you know, having, to your point, transparency, you know, you can you can join a public tech company and know about their finances. And as we just recently reported um, about some very disappointing sales at Magic Leap that were known to only a very small number of people. Right. And, and so... Um, I, I think that's a part of it. It's only a small part of it, but I, I think, um, you know, it, I, I'm very interested in uh, sort of being able to serve people who work at these tech companies with as much information as possible. Yeah, I wonder also, you know, if the problem has also been that these disasters, when they do come out, you know, obviously disaster used in a specific way, it, they're, they're, it's so contained. You don't have this like economy-wide effect that. Like the the financial crisis, where right. because of bad actors, literally, you know, people lost their jobs, people's houses were repossessed, things like that. It all seems so confined to a certain sector of the economy, and it's just not the kind of thing people are going to push for on a government level to to change structurally. Yeah, that's been true, and um, and by many measures, the costs are are the consequences are more contained, but they're not just contained in the handful of a few investors. They're yeah, broader than that. And I also want to ask from the the CEO founder front, it's been an interesting year. Adam Newman, those stories are incredible. They'll end up in various movies and TV shows in the Mm -hmm. years to come. Um, You know, there was an interesting story or I guess now series of stories about Away Mm -hmm. uh, from the last few weeks about, you know, the way that the CEO of that company was interacting with employees and the things that she allegedly did. Um, I mean, what what's your sense on like from that perspective, 
what's going to happen with the, you know the, the, these CEO founders? Are they? Yeah, it's given been a tough same? year to be a founder. I mean, we've um, we've had stories about um, harassment allegations against the CEO of Intercom. Um, we had an in-depth story about the CEO of Brandless being pushed out. Um, uh, we've, you know, there are many, many others, right? And and I think it's. Uh, um, and, and it's actually in many cases, a good number of them were women, but it was a real mix and it's a very interesting time. I mean, it's, I, I'm still kind of unpacking and digesting what I think is happening. Um, I mean, some of it I think has been overdue and you have behavior that's just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the jury is still out on a way. Um, I think, I mean, clearly there was behavior that, um, I think is not what you would expect of a CEO. Um, I think there have been two articles. You know, the first had a number of things that, um, some of which just sort of, to me, bordered on um, kind of overbearing um, manager, but uh, some that were worse. There's a more recent story this week that actually spoke about working condition issues for employees that seemed to me um, a lot more problematic and powerful, but, it's, you know, I, I think away is interesting because CEO, former CEO Steph Corey stepped down almost instantly. Right. And I think unpacking why that was, what sort of, and I think it actually boils down to the tremendous amount of um, activity and pressure and sort of vitriol against the company on social media. Right. Um, you know, based on people who perhaps probably didn't even read the article. So, um, that actually, I think, touches on another theme that um, continued to boil over this year, but just employee activism as mm-hmm. well. Um, and very hard to know where that's going. You know, I, I have been surprised in recent days at the headlines of sort of some behavior at Google that seems to be getting very aggressive in the face of, um, you know, some of the continued activism going on there. It, it seems to me that um, in that case, you have a company that uh, is in many ways being paralyzed by it. You have a lot of paralysis. Um, you're seeing similar things over at Amazon. So um, another thing that definitely built steam this year. Yeah. And again, it'll be interesting to see if it gets organized and, and what are the specific outcomes that you know people, if they are organized, can push for. Uh, not clear to me at all. Um, finishing up on the kind of the VC private, you know, private tech mm-hmm. company front. I mean, do you think, do you foresee any reason that there's going to be a change in, in the amount of funding that a lot of these big companies get? I mean, is there any kind of pullback on the horizon that either because there've been so many blowouts or, uh, you know, the public markets just aren't receptive to money losing firms as, as much as people thought that could really change where this money is spent or it's just too much, too much oil in the ground to, yeah. to, to not have this happen? So, I mean, I think it's possible that you're going to see some of the, what we sort of call the crossover funds, so like Fidelity and, and public, traditionally public investors who uh, were very aggressive in, in private tech investing kind of pull back a little. Um, not necessarily, in part because if they're coming in in rounds where they're getting burned, but also, you know, I, I think we'll continue to see some of that because some of that investing is just um, motivated by getting to know the companies and relationship building, and it's not really about getting a huge return as, as much. But but I think, uh, you know, we've reported on some turnover in the teams and places like that, so I think that's possibly a place. 
we've just been through a cycle of mega fundraisings, you Mm -hmm. know, and these are seven plus year funds, um, billion dollars. I mean, I I guess a lot of that too is what's going to happen with the Vision Fund, um, which, uh, you know, who knows, but it's not going away. So it, it's hard, you know, I, I, every week I'm getting called from some new investor that wants uh, to learn something about Silicon Valley. It's been, it's actually picked up dramatically. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't know, but at the same point, it is a cycle. And uh, so as other options become more attractive, but if we're in a sort of low interest rate environment where there's a lot of money that's still very under allocated into the space that is a really sort of small and concentrated industry, um, you know, I think that There's that a lot sort of, of FOMO trumps a too. lot. I feel There's like a ton of FOMO. I mean, it's and it's um, and as new trends pick up and and you start to see areas of interest, you know, that was Bitcoin a couple of years ago, and that you know seems to be AR right now. Yeah. I mean, the money will follow where the excitement seems to be and it just kind of self-perpetuates in that way at least from my perspective absolutely i mean remember uh, scooters right i mean right. And, and, yes there there will be some scooter companies that are good businesses but not at all at the level that right. many people expected so yeah. um yeah but that's also the name of the game right and and these funds make money on just a handful of hits so it's hard to you can't read into um you know some bad investments and think that the sector is doomed now I think another thing that's really interesting this year is we reported on um, the returns for a number of top venture capital funds, including Andreessen Horowitz and Kleiner Perkins and Union Square Ventures. And, um, you know, if you look at venture, you know, the best performing funds are absolutely outperforming the the public stock indices. But, um, you know, particularly in firms like Kleiner and Andreessen that have been clawing their way back and had some tough years. You know, there are many years where you would have done much better investing in the Russell or something like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think over time people probably take notice. Yeah, yeah. Let's move over to media. Uh, media, yeah, yes. It's, it's, let's have that for dessert. Um, it's deals, deals, deals. Yeah, so I feel like it, someone made an interesting point to me the other day. I was talking to a longtime media exec, and, and this person was saying that Beyond just the fact that we have all of these media companies completely shifting their strategies, coming out with streaming services, which undercut their core businesses, blah, blah, blah. We've written endlessly about it. You also have like an interesting new class of CEOs coming in, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, like in the next two years, we're going to have new CEOs of Disney. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll have a new CEO. Maybe. No. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Nothing guaranteed there. All right. Let's leave that to the side. But, you know, we're going to have we know that we're having a new CEO of of NBC Universal. That's that's already been announced. Uh, there'll be uh, there will be a new CEO most likely of Warner Media uh, because you know the CEO of AT and T is stepping down. Viacom's kind of this interesting merging mm-hmm. of things, um, but fairly new in, at least in its structure. Um, I'm probably forgetting one or two others. Yeah, maybe but, I mean, as you're saying this, I'm like maybe this is a job for Jonah Peretti. You know, maybe this is. Uh, but which aspect of it? Well, just the sort of. I mean, are we sort of passing of a guard here? Yeah. And if so. Um, it, will it be sort of new blood or old blood? Now, obviously, that's incredibly sort of simplified, but um, it's an interesting question, though, because I remember, you know, you and I, we we, we had this like salon uh, with the information a couple of years ago. Remember that salon. thing? Remember that? I, I think we even referred to it as a salon. salon. Yeah, yes. we, we had this salon, and there were all these executives there who were talking about how all these, you know, media execs are MBA types who just care about their exit package, and they're just trying to run out the clock. And it was a fair argument to make, but like. 
the clock has kind of run out now. Like yeah. a lot of these people are leaving. This is before, you know, Jeff Buke has stepped down. And it, so we have these new folks there who really have to handle these businesses going forward. It's not just about your legacy. And I, I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but it's an interesting time just from that perspective. And also, like, what are they managing, right? So if, if I mean, obviously the CEO of Disney is an incredibly interesting and important role. Um, Disney is probably an acquirer of a lot of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and But Maybe. I think you might see other people sort of rise the ranks who are there to do deals and to continue the consolidation because yeah. I, I don't think we're, you know, we're done with that. Yeah. And what about, you know, the streaming wars? Um, I mean, is it... Is it something, you know, that that you think will have multiple winners um, where you could really see a a couple companies really take off and and build substantial, maybe even, God forbid, money making businesses just off their streaming services or? I do. I do. I mean, I like a handful of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think if if this was the sort of streaming wars year, I I think, you know, eventually a streaming channel or a streaming product is going to be like we don't you know, like a cable channel or a bundle or an operator, right? It's just sort of, I think there will be many. Um, the big question is, is that you've been ahead of the curve on writing about is just like, you know, the underlying, are the businesses going to make sense? How, what do we make of these um, incredibly uh, high sort of marketing budgets and customer acquisition and where and talent, these things talent deals. Yeah. I mean, I still have no clue how those are going to end out. It was really silly season with that this year yeah just hundreds of millions spent on these people and you know i mean netflix it was funny i uh i recently just compared netflix and disney's stock price appreciation because i was just wondering you know i i uh disney and the launch of disney plus i think was very very strong on all counts and it sort of makes you want to root for the traditional incumbent against Mm -hmm. the digital upstart a little bit because you know why not um and so i was curious to see if if I, you know, if their their sort of fortunes diverged, they had very strong years, as did the overall market. So it, it didn't. Um, well, Netflix had that one kind of quarter where everyone took a step back yeah. and they're like, "What's what's going on here, yeah. guys?" No, there. I mean, there are definitely more questions, but the the march is clear, and Netflix is was like tripling down on its content spend. And, yeah, they're not backing. You know, up at when all. we were in LA a couple of weeks ago and interviewing Jason Blum, I mean, it's hilarious. Like, no one expects that to last, but. Yet we're here for a while. But, uh, you know, yes, um, smart companies can build great businesses yeah. on digital streaming for and sure. To, and to me, one of the most fascinating things that actually hasn't been talked about that much was just how impressive the magic trick that Disney played on the markets this year. Because they basically held a presentation and overnight everyone decided they were a different company. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, we're, we're still a month or so past the release of Disney Plus and the numbers look pretty, pretty damn good. But they basically just like did some hocus pocus and said, by the way, we're now at a tech multiple or we're at least yeah. at a very different multiple than we used to be. And, you know, I think they've to a degree earned it because they've performed. I mean, their numbers look fantastic, but it is amazing to see how they did that. How many other companies copied what they thought was like their magic trick. I mean, like yeah. the presentation that uh, Warner Media gave was like point by point, the mm-hmm. same kind of presentation that Disney wanted to give. And it looks like, you know, NBC is going to do something pretty similar next year. It's just kind of an amazing it makes me wonder i mean it's sort of a different point of like if just the markets are like looking for new stories a little bit right like i it when i talk to investors um things seem like a little not skittish but like you you sort of you buy too high in positive news and you sell too low in bad news it's very reactive mm-hmm. right and in the sense that it, you know the expectations were so low 
you know, just a little bit can go a really long way. And, and we may have kind of seen that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a new shiny thing. And, you know, but that only lasts so long. Um, so I want to finish up on the media side of things. We talked about like the big ones and the streaming stuff, but it's also been kind of interesting with uh, the, I don't know what you want to call them, the digital media companies, your, your mm-hmm. venture backs, your, your, your vices, your, your, your BuzzFeeds, your Voxes. It seemed like almost everyone except BuzzFeed made some sort of a big roll-up deal yep. this year. Um, I mean, what do we think happens next year just on that front? I mean, do, do you think those companies that made deals that kind of gave them like at least an 18, you know, 12 month, 18 month kind of reprieve to figure out what their story is? Or do you think like this is going to actually, we're going to have to see real synergy results, improvements in these businesses um, yeah. in the short term? So, I mean, I think if you look at Vice and Refinery or Vox and New York Mag, I mean, I. I do think there'll probably be more small tuck-in acquisitions across because the the struggling companies are still struggling, and you just if you're you wait to buy until the numbers look good. So I can see some small um, continued activity. Um, then I think it's just going to be cost cutting. Yeah, and eventually and that could get ugly. Um, it can get ugly. I mean, it, it's going to be meaningful, um, and and then yeah, the question is in both those cases, like, what's next? And I, I think you can say exactly the same thing about BuzzFeed. And, um, you know, BuzzFeed has sort of co- cost cut its way to stability. Um, and that, yeah, that gives you runway and time to figure out what's next. Um, but I think all of those companies kind of yeah. are going to face that. And Are they all just looking for acquisitions? Yeah, and I, I just think we're still, you know, I, I think we're still in the... You know, and then there's the next phase of acquisition, which is tricky, right? I mean, we spent a lot of time sort of reporting around, you know, is NBC, who are they going to buy? All that kind of stuff. Those have been the, the big questions. Um, you know, no reason to think a deal is inevitable there. So um, the, the logic that I keep hearing, too, is you – I think some of these companies, the larger ones are in this place where they're still, like, quite expensive from the point of view of – Right. a more traditional company and either the business will take off and, and they'll become, you know, um, they'll just sort of have a different set of prospects or something will have to turn the market or their business to yeah. It uh, remains a bet, price. I feel like, any acquisition. It's still like a bet on some sort of future explosive growth or profitability for a lot of these guys. Yeah. On its it own. It does feel like, though, I mean, it's it does feel like a sort of, compared to like a year ago where you're just like the 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 status quo is not sustainable. Right. It, it, things do feel a little more sustainable, and it feels yeah. like the brands, um, while cooking up new stuff, um, you know, aren't as sort of paranoid as they were. Yeah. You know, yeah. Twelve months ago. Right. We'll see. We'll see. I think you know, if it's not next year, then the year after. I, I think <laughs> there's going to be a lot of, hopefully, some resolution to these questions that I feel like you and I have been <laughs> talking about and asking for a couple of years now. Uh, All right. So last thing, I guess I'll put you on the spot here. um, So we'll see how how well you do. But um, I mean, what's like the one question you have overall about um, the tech industry next year that you hope to see answered by, you know, developments on any of the stuff that we talked about Mm -hmm. here? I mean, what do you think, you know, we could really see next year uh, kind of finally get some clarity on? You know, I actually think the employee activism is going to sort of become bigger and bigger and could become more impactful. And so I'm personally more interested in watching that than regulation. Um, 
obviously regulation is a big deal. Obviously, we need to watch it. Uh, the conventional wisdom is that Attorney General Barr wants to do something ahead of the election in the event Trump um, isn't reelected, that he wants you would miss his chance to have a career defining case. Um, I am sort of feeling like he has Facebook in his sights more than the other ones. That's not a scientific um, uh, thing, but uh, he's obviously wrote, you know, he's pressured them on encryption. And I mean, but I, I'm sort of, if I had to place my bets, that's where I'd kind of see him attempt to do something. But, you know, that said, I think that plays out in in either a very long arc or a somewhat uninteresting arc whereas you know it's a little bit of like a wild card um what happens with uh just this this general i i hate just to use the word activism but you know this very sort of engaged energized pissed yeah um, yeah totally kind of population that we see and And a sense of empowerment i think yeah and it's spreading to small i mean is it small companies as well i i i think it goes a long way towards explaining some of the things that away. Um, and I, I think it, uh, you know, on one hand, it's something that, that one can get a little bit immune to. Um, but it still has impact. You know, every time I think, I think some impact. of these things comes up, there is more consequence to it than I would have expected. Yeah, and it's really amazing. I mean, and, and uh, you know, we were the first to report about um, the uh, sexual harassment allegations against Andy Rubin and obviously the New York Times. Um, really stoked that with their great reporting about uh, the amount of his settlement payout that led to the walkouts. But it, it's kind of funny to trace the dots back and to think of that moment and that reporting uh, from the information. And it's really taken on a, a very different life. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's make a deal to check back in here. Uh, December of 2020. I hope you'll have me before December 20. Yeah. But on this but specific topic, okay. I'm sure we'll talk we'll before then. We'll take notes and we'll, we'll circle. Yeah. Back. All right, Jessica. Thanks for joining. Thanks.